2: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is The Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast.
3: Podcast. Nailed it. Oh, what up, podcast lovers and listeners. And then also what up to the people who are sitting in the car next to the person who loves this show and is like, what the f*** is this? Welcome in to my show. It's called The Wells Cast. And my name is Wells, so real creative on the name. The problem was, here's the thing. I would have had a better name for the show, but the initial show was the Pratt cast because I was doing the show with Stephanie Pratt about the hills. And then she she up and vanished to freaking London town and left America. But the show was popular and people liked it. So we were like, well, let's just continue doing the show. And then I'll just have other famous people on instead of Steph. Because of that, we just changed it to Wells cast because originally it was Pratt cast. But I really do wish the name of the show was something different. Just so you guys know, I wanted it to be called Origin Stories with Wells, but there are people who I won't name names, Amy Sugarman, who um, was like, you gotta, you, we should have it just be Wells cast, and you know what? They pay her a lot of money over at iHeart to make these decisions, so that's what it is. So if you have any gripe over the name of the show, even though it's, has, it's just kind of whatever, actually don't, don't go out after Amy Sugarman, she's a wonderful woman, and She. She's made my life so much, so much more awesome from knowing her. Very excited about the show today. Got another alumni of the Mass Singer on the show. But dude, here's my the crazy thing about the Mass Singer. They're these really, really famous people with crazy stories that they're not letting you get to see. If I was in the pitch meeting for this, I'd be like, yeah, but uh wait, okay, so let me get this straight. You're gonna have Jesse McCartney on a show for like eight weeks straight, but we don't get to see his face? The moneymaker? No, you can't do that. I want to see his face, you know? But someone was like, you know what? Maybe this will work. And it does. That show works. It kills. But the big name, you don't get to see until the day they got to leave, which is crazy to me. But it is a hit show. And we've watched every season. The names are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Like everyone's wanting to do it which makes total sense. But today's guest has done everything. If I've learned anything about the industry, you got to diversify your bonds, you know? You have to be able to do everything. You got to have your hand in every freaking pot because sometimes one pot will boil over full of money and then sometimes dries the Sierra Desert. And that's what our guest on the show this week is doing. She was a member of the vocal group Escape Back in the day, won a Grammy for Best R&B Song for her contribution on the hit. I don't want no scrub. I, I can get no from me. You know that song. Hanging on the passenger side of his best friend's ride. i trying to, holla and me. Oh, God, that's a good song. She stars in Bravo's reality show, Real Housewives of Atlanta. She's married to Todd Tucker. Got a bunch of kids. And we just found out that she was the night angel on The Masked Singer. Dude, when she was a teenager, her no-nonsense single mom gave her an important piece of advice that would shape her approach to her career. Mom says, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And the Atlanta-born and bred singer, songwriter, entrepreneur, and TV personality says, today, that was the thing that changed everything. That makes sense. Because nowadays, you got to be good at a lot of stuff if you want to make a little bit of money. Cannot wait to have on the show today. Oh yeah, we're talking to Candy Burris from Real Housewives of Atlanta and the Night Angel from The Masked Singer. It's a show you are not going to want to miss.
4: Mother's Day is coming and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint.
1: Charm.
3: Candy Burris on the Wells cast, what's up?
2: Oh, everything, everything is up right now.
3: (laughs) The world is just kind of up in the air at this point.
2: The world is up in the air, and I'm just feeling up in the sky, like I'm on a high right now. Yeah, you're feeling good though? Yes, man, I mean, this is my birthday week. My birthday was Sunday.
3: My birthday was Saturday. Are you serious? Yeah, May 16th
2: yeah may seventeenth right. Taurus yeah yes this was a good week just winning the mass singer this same week of my birthday was just super cool
3: we finally find out who the night angel is did you have so much fun on the mass singer
2: oh yeah for sure it was like okay first of all it's just crazy when you first get there and you know they immediately from rehearsal, you know, you have to put all these the gloves, the tall socks. They want every bit of your body covered because they don't want anybody to know who you are. So it's like, you know, I got used to this whole secrecy, this whole secret movement thing. And then when we got there the day of, everybody's walking around with these silly costumes on. It was just crazy. You know, I never really figured out anybody except for I did figure out Bow wow. Yeah, they keep us separated except for, you know, at the end when they bring us all on stage at once. But other than that, we're separated the whole time. But this one particular day, I had to, they were taking me backstage to my dressing room to get ready for sound check. And I guess he had his sound check right before mine. And I heard the tail end of his rehearsal and I heard him doing crisscross jump, meaning, yeah. you know, he does the miggity, 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 that part. I was like, that's Bow Wow. <laughs> I know his voice
3: anywhere. I had Brett Michaels on a couple weeks ago, and I guess Sharon Osbourne had a similar thing where she was like, I've known him for 30 years. I know that's exactly who it is. It's Brett Michaels. It's over. It's. I keep thinking no one that I've known really, really well has been on the show. But I wonder if I'd be like, I know for sure that's that's so and so. So it's really crazy. That was your response. What did you think about your what? clues?
2: Some of them, I didn't even know.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like,
2: I didn't even catch on. Like, it was so crazy. Like, I would look at what the fans were saying online. It was amazing to me that a lot of them were figuring that stuff out. Because I was like, I even had to go back and, like, email some of the producers. Like, yo, like, what did this mean? But, like, okay, for instance, I think they had some ducks flying around or something or whatever. <laughs> and I and he was like, bills, bills, bills for the song you wrote for Destiny's Child. I was like, oh, cute, I like it. And then it was um, somebody, I didn't even notice this, it was on the front of like a hotel, they show four, five, six, and I didn't get it. I didn't notice it at first, but that's the title of a song um, that I did with Soleil back in the day, it was a number one rap song, four, five, six. And I was like, oh, you guys are clever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that it makes sense because
3: when Ken goes like on his like crazy weird like uh connecting of the dots thing, I'm like, Ken, stop whatever you're smoking. First of all, send it over my way because I'm bored in quarantine and I need some <laughs> of it. But like hearing you explain some of those crazy things, like I feel like sometimes he might not be like that far off.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes he's like, <laughs> he cracks me at me. He's like, I know exactly who it is. <laughs> it's, it's so funny when he does that, but um, he was off when it was, you know, for me, but I did understand his reasoning when mm-hmm. he came up with um, Gina, yeah. Gina and, um Tisha Campbell. My yeah, yeah, mind yeah, yeah. yeah. went blank for a second, but she is extremely talented and she's a great performer and, th- and she does sing and act or whatever. And I could understand how he could, Relate some of the clues to her.
3: Who was your favorite guest that wasn't you?
2: Oh, I saw somebody guess Stevie Nicks. Oh, <laughs> I like it. Fleetwood
3: Mac. All right.
2: Yeah, I was like, okay, icon. I will take it. <laughs> that was a good one. But um, I thought she was amazing. Now, the one that cracked me up was when they were like, Little Kim. Yeah. I said, really? Little Kim? Now, mind you, I love Little Kim and she's amazing. But I never knew her as a singer. I didn't I never think that she I don't think she sung any songs. I know she just raps. Yeah. But I was like, they were like, your swag, your swag reminds me of little Kim. I was like, nah, I got swag, but I don't know if I have swag like little Kim. Like, <laughs> come on now, you're giving me too much credit here.
3: What was your favorite and least favorite thing about your costume?
2: Oh, well, my favorite thing was that I felt like my costume was like amazing to look at, like the wings, the jewels, the, the harness thing across the chest, the you know, all of that. And then I was the only one who had an actual face, like a human like face on my costume, mm-hmm. even though it's a little spooky because it's like like one of those dolls with the mouse being stay open. <laughs> <laughs> a little creepy. That was a little creepy, but it was the dope costume. The part that I hated was how hot that costume was. When I tell you, I was about to die. <laughs> Especially that first like performance, because I was like about to pass out for real. The wings, they made my arms, I had to stay back like this the whole time because it would pull my shoulders back. But it made it hard to breathe. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I couldn't constrict, you know, my chest was like held in one spot. And so that, and then it was so hot, I literally almost passed out in the first dress rehearsal. I was like, how am I going to do this? This is uh, this is insane.
3: Are you happy you did it?
2: Yeah, totally. Before I got on this show, there would be so many people who would say negative things like, oh, she can't sing. Oh, I hate her voice. You know, uh, why? You know, whatever they have to say about me. As far as um, musically. Now, it's crazy because, like, for me, I'm like, okay, I started in this business in a singing group. We had hit records, but then it started making you have self doubt when you see comments and tweets like that because it makes me feel like, okay, well, you know, okay, yeah, I have sung on hit songs, but maybe my voice is not hot now. Maybe it was just hot back then or whatever. And then I started doubting myself. So to be on this show, And everybody gives me positive feedback. And you know, all the judges are showing so much love. And even when I look on the tweets online, you know, people are like, oh my God, Night Angel killed it. It just really rebuilt my confidence. You know what I mean? It made me say to myself, like, why have I been listening to the haters? Like, I'm the main one who tells people just fly above the haters. I'm not supposed to listen to the haters. So what am I doing? It just was a good experience for me. I really, I feel like I needed this, I needed it.
3: That's awesome to hear and really cool takeaway from the whole thing. It's kind of funny too, because the irony isn't lost on me because you are hiding behind something but showcasing your talent. And then it's a bunch of haters who are hiding behind a Twitter handle, just being rude for no real reason. And then you get to then take off the mask and be like, hey, you, I'm great. you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I didn't even think about that. You're right; they're hiding behind their computers, yeah. throwing the hate my way, and and I shouldn't even be accepting it. I should just, I should have always just believed in my own talent because I mean, I've proven myself in the past, so I don't know why I fall into that mode of thinking. Oh, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm just, I just don't have it anywhere, Whatever. Yeah. You know, I should have just, you know, just gone and kept doing my thing, but. Um, I don't know. Being in the being behind the mask, though, is helpful Mm -hmm. because it just makes you feel like, okay, they're not judging Candy. They're judging Night Angel. Yeah. So it's just only whatever Night Angel does as far as like performance, singing. I mean, they're judging based on my vocals that night or my performance that night. It's not because, oh, I don't like Candy from the Real Housewives, so I'm just going to throw hate on her way online or whatever, you know. And so I felt like that was pretty cool that I don't have the prejud I didn't have any prejudgments going against me.
3: Yeah. Congratulations. I'm, I'm so excited for you. And I'm glad that you were able to kind of like walk away from the experience with just a, so much more positive self-esteem. You know, I, that's a really cool outcome of a thing that's this. it's a silly show, but like those things mean a lot. You know, I've done a bunch of reality shows when you walk away feeling good with how you did, it means a lot, you know? So congratulations. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if anyone explained to you kind of the premise of this show. At the end of the day, it's an origin story show. I like to find out where people came from and how the hell they got here and how the hell they became so successful, almost like a blueprint, if you will, for a lot of people out there in whatever they do, whether it's the entertainment industry, uh singing, songwriting, dancing, acting, or, you know, if you want to be a lawyer or a, you know, a doctor or whatever. These stories I think help a lot of people. And just going through your resume, your credits are the most diverse of almost any guest we've had on. You've done literally everything if you will allow me I'd like to hear your story and I'd like to start at the beginning
2: you want to start at the beginning yeah oh, wow okay um I started out in the group escape um when I was well we got together when I was 14 I met them when I first went to high school
3: so were you singing and like writing and was, was your mom like pushing you towards this kind of entertainment career
2: No, in middle school, I actually was not doing the right things, fucking up, basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, it just so happened that uh, that summer, right before ninth grade, I mean, I used to like to sing, you know, I was singing around my friends and stuff, but I didn't look at it as like a real career. And a friend of mine, she wanted to audition for this new performing arts school that was opening um, the following year, but you had to audition. And so she didn't want to do it by herself. So she asked me to come and audition with her. And since I wasn't doing anything that summer, I was like, okay, you know, cool, whatever. And we did the audition. I ended up getting picked and she didn't, which was crazy, you know, for me. But then it, I just decided, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and go there. I had no intentions of going. Like, I really didn't even want to go to that school. But, you know, because I got picked and because the little audition process was fun, I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. That one decision changed my entire life because that's where I went to that school and I ended up meeting my group members, um, Tamika Scott and Latasha Scott. And then, to, well, at first we had another group member. Her name was Tamara Coggins. She and I are still best friends to this day. Her name is Tamara, but we call her Tan. And then also Tiny, you know, she's also a TV personality as well. But yeah, we started out in the group together, 14, started singing. With the group, and then we—it took us two years to get a deal. So we got our deal when I was 16, with So So Dev, Jermaine Dupri. And from there, it was just—it just took off. Our first single blew up. Well, first of all, let me just say this: my brother passed away when I was 15. Okay. Mm-hmm yeah and he was like um he had a lot to do with my group like he was very um supportive and telling us oh y'all got what it makes to take the pros and all this stuff and he actually introduced us to our first manager who is the one who took us to jermaine dupree but when my when my brother passed i just it just felt like oh i just became numb to everything like the world was just like nothing to me anymore and i was just existing but i was still you know doing what i had to do musically but when i tell you it was so crazy that it felt like like you know how people say they have a guardian angel like i literally i feel like i gotta have i have a guardian angel like like literally everything just started happening in my life and just falling into place like i told you i was new to that school the following year I won Miss 10th grade, which is something I didn't even want to go for, but somebody put my name in the thing. And so I went ahead and said, okay, and I ended up winning. Then right after that, I ended up, um, our group got an audition to be on BET's Teen Summit at the time. They had a talent showcase. So we were on that. And then all of a sudden, after that is when Jermaine decided that he went to go ahead and sign us because we had sang for him before that performance. But being on there, he was like, oh yeah, I want to sign you guys. And then... Even though we had the deal, a lot of people was like, those girls ain't going to really do anything. Our first single blew up, you know, just kicking it. It was our first single and it wasn't even out long before it blew up, went number one, and then our album was platinum. And all of our albums together was successful. We really defeated ourselves because we couldn't get along, basically. And um, we ended up taking a hiatus after our third album. And from there... I honestly didn't know what was going to happen like during that process of our third album, we kind of knew that the group was going to take a little break after. So I remember I was telling Tiny, my other group member, I was like, yo, like we need to start working on another project because, um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen after this third album or whatever. And because one of our other group members was supposed to be going solo. So we were just like, I was like, let's just start writing for ourselves, come up with this our project, and then we could submit it to the label and show them what we've done. And one of the songs that we did for ourselves was No Scrubs. And Somebody played it for um, L.A. Reid, and he ended up loving the song, One it for, for TLC. And when we was like, let him have it. And obviously you see the result <laughs> of that song. That song is like this, the gift that keeps on giving. It just, from that song, I've had so many other people who sampled it and different things that I keep getting great publishing checks from, but. Yeah. <laughs> Mailbox money. <laughs> yeah, so from there, I just started writing for everybody. You know, I had the opportunities to write for, I wrote five songs on the Destiny's Child's writing, writing on the wall album. Um, obviously, Bills, 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 which was another big hit, Um, Bugaboo, which was a big song. I had multiple hits with them. And then I had hits with Pink. I had her first song she ever put out, There You Go. I wrote that. And then I worked with, you know, Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey and NSYNC. You know, I used to love them on that No Strings Attached album. I had that song, um, uh, Makes Me Ill. I uh, wrote that for them. I love and that. We-
3: I love that you've written so many hit songs that you had to like take a beat to remember what in sync song you had written.
2: <laughs> because, I mean, and I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, brag or anything like that. That's not my intention. But, you know, I have written a lot of songs. And to be honest with you, I do forget them sometimes. Like, yeah. I can't repeat all the lyrics or anything like that because the songs that I wrote a long time ago, you know. Just to be able to say that I worked with some of these people who, you know, obviously they all have done some amazing things. And um, so it's it's really been awesome. And then from there, you know, I just kind of went behind the scenes for a while, you know, building my family and, and, you know, still working on music, writing music. But then the opportunity came up for being on The Housewives. And that was a fluke. (laughs) <laughs> I was just talking to one of my friends one day. I was working on another project with Tiny and one of my friends, Derek J. He he's does. he been on the show before, but he was like, Candy, The Real Housewives, they're looking for somebody and um, I'm going to tell them to call you because they need somebody with their own money. <laughs> I was like, huh? I was like, yeah, nah, I'm doing something already. He was like, well, I'm going to tell them to call you anyway. And so the project that I actually was working on actually fell through the people decided they didn't want to use me for the project and i was kind of disappointed but i was just like oh well it wasn't meant to be or whatever and then literally like the next week the people from the housewives reached out and was like hey we want to talk to you and meet up with you And i was like uh oh, okay cool you know i did the interview it's cool and they ended up you know asking me to be a part of the show and here i am 11 seasons later with multiple other shows and stuff and so I just said, you know, it, 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 I think it's really true. I really do have an amazing guardian angel. So I guess it's kind of fitting that I was the night angel on Mass Singer.
3: Wow. <laughs> was there foresight in that?
2: No. They actually had gave me other costumes to choose from mm-hmm. that I had picked one of. And then a week or two later, they came back and was like, hey, this costume came available. Would you like to get this one instead? And when I saw the picture, I was like, definitely. <laughs> I was like, this one is dope. I, I want this. The wings, the jewels. You know, I was like, this is me. Yeah. And so that's how that came about.
3: I have two cousins who passed away that were really close to me. And same thing. It's like this weird thing of, I feel like they're always kind of helping me out. And like, I'll have these like signs that they're around me. And I've done a lot of like thinking about it, whether it's true or not, it doesn't really matter, right? Like, because if it is true, that's wonderful. And if it isn't, it's still serving its purpose of... I believe it's true, which makes right. me feel more free to be me because I'm like, oh, I can't fail because I know Tyler and Blake are right all, like, on my shoulder yeah. like helping me out.
2: Right, right, exactly.
3: You telling that story of you've written so many songs and then you were like, man, I, what what insane song was it? I was watching this documentary about Bob Dylan who's like written like everything, right? And he was talking to Joan Baez about... And she played him a song called Love is a Four-Letter Word. And he was like, well, that's a great song. When did you write it? And she was like, you wrote it, you idiot. That's the, when you were telling that story, I was like, this is the Bob Dylan story. You've, you're so amazingly diverse with your, your musical career that you're forgetting the hits that you're writing. So you play for Dupree before you get signed. What was that moment like?
2: When we um, first met Jermaine, it was at his 19th birthday party. <laughs> and yeah, I remember because we had to, we sang happy birthday to him. We had did like this whole harmonizing thing. You know, we was like, oh, we're going to kill it. You yeah. Know? Um, at the time, Crisscross Cross had not yet come out yet. And so he listened to us. And he was like, oh, you guys sound great. He was like, I, um, he said, right now I'm working on another project. And when I'm finished with them, then I'll come back and get you guys. And so we just kind of felt like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Because we had heard that from other people. We was singing for anybody who would listen. And if you could understand at the time in Atlanta, music had started really booming because LA Reed and Babyface, they had moved their record label, The Face Records here. And so, you know, people had started getting record deals. Um, you know, TLC had come out. Um, you know, it was a uh, I think Toni Braxton had came out with her album. So people had started really, you know, doing their thing in Atlanta, you know? And we were just like, oh, man, if we could just get that shot, if we could just get somebody to sign us, you know, we would be able to blow up, you know? We didn't know how hard it would be after. We just thought, okay, you get a deal and you're going to blow up. <laughs> so when he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to come back and sign y'all, we thought he was just brushing us off like everybody else. And he actually was true to his word. Um, it did take a year. Um, basically, he was working on Crisscross at the time. Crisscross, once he put got them out there, and obviously they blew up and sold millions and millions of records, they ended up, he got his own record label, So So Deaf. And I guess right around that time is when, w- it was shortly after we were on the Teen Summit competition that I told you about on BET, and our manager, Ian Burke, he had went back to Jermaine and was like, hey, did you see the girls? They were on, you know, the show. And Jermaine was like, he said that we were the ghetto in Vogue. <laughs> and the reason why he said that is because, okay, we got on BT with, we had these baggy, I don't know if you remember cross colors, that was like these bright colored, you know, jeans everybody was wearing back in the early nineties. So we had the baggy, baggy cross colors on, And we could not sing the song with the track because they couldn't get it cleared. So Tasha, who's in my group, she beatboxed and we sang and harmonized over the beatbox. And so he was like, okay, you guys, you know, that's nothing but the streets in the hood. That's the only way y'all could have pulled that off. Like who else is, what girls are beatboxing and singing? (laughs) So yeah, it was, it was, um, It was an interesting performance. I mean, it turned out to be a a really good one, obviously. It it changed our careers, but um, yeah, that's what he thought of. And then we harmonized too. So that was the relation that he related us to In Vogue, because at that time, In Vogue was iconic. You know, they were harmonizing and we all looked up to them and we sang and it was one of their songs that we had sang on the show.
3: I was reading up on you and I think there was kind of a pivotal moment in your life when you went to the Soul Train Music Awards and you watched Queen Latifah accept mm-hmm. like, the award for Entertainer of the Year and something kind of clicked for you then?
2: she had received the Amy Davis Jr. Award. And basically, they gave her that award because at the time, she was an actress. She obviously was a successful rapper at the time. She had produced her own show. She was producing... Um, her TV show and, and um, she was, she had a management company. So she was managing all these artists, artists. I know at the time, I think she had managed Monica. She was managing like a lot of people. So it was like multiple things that she was doing and she was successful in every area. And that inspired me so much. Like literally I was sitting in that chair watching her and I remember turning to tiny and I said, I'm going to get that award one day. And so I went home the very next day because I was like, okay, what can I do to get this award? I'm already singing. What else can I do? And I was like, okay, well, she manages people. Okay, I'm going to manage somebody. That's what I said. And so I called my friend, Richard Wingo, who had gone to high school with me because I was only like one year out of school. So I probably was 18, 19. I called Wingo. I said, hey, you still got that group that you were working with? He was like, yeah. I was like, okay, come over to my house. I'm going to manage y'all. And that group, is Jagged Edge. And I helped them get their deal to so so deaf. And now millions of records later, they sold more records than we did in the group escape. So <laughs> I'm thankful that I was able to help other people, you know, take their careers to the next level. But it was all inspired by Queen Latifah.
3: <laughs> I mean, you've done everything, right? You've, you're extremely accomplished and awarded songwriter. Same goes for performer. You've now tackled TV management. You've got like other projects. Like I want to talk about the bedroom stuff that you've got.
2: Bedroom candy. Yeah, you've done everything.
3: What brings you the most
2: joy? Mm, That's a good question. I like the creative stuff the best. So I love writing songs. I love singing. I love acting as well. That's why I'm so excited. I, um, I have a role coming in the, the show The Shy on season three. It's coming out this summer. Cool. So those things, anything that's like performing arts driven, those are my passions. Mm-hmm. So I'll sing and write in for free. Like That's just something I love to do, and I don't really have to get paid to do it. I don't even need an audience. I could just do it around the house and I'm happy. (laughs) So I guess those are the things that I love. Being in the studio and creating music is amazing to me. And it's especially amazing when you're able to see other people perform the things that you create. So I'm not really sure if I what I love more is if it's if it's me singing my own stuff, being on stage and performing it. Or seeing somebody else performing it and them being successful. I still haven't figured out which one I like most because I still get just as much joy out of seeing somebody else being a hit with something that I wrote where I know I was a part of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you see somebody be great, but you know that you had a hand in it, that's a great feeling too, you know?
3: Yeah, helping lift people up is is an amazing feeling. I mean, I think of all the—I th- mean, I don't know. I don't even know if it's true, but of all the things that you've created, Scrubs has got to be up there of things that you created and help other people be successful with. Is there any part of you that's like, oh, kind of wish I had held on to that one? No,
2: Mm-mm. really, no, I never. And people say that all the time, but I feel like it—it it might not have done the same thing if it was—if I held on to it, it may not have had the same effect you know, I feel like everything happens for a reason. By me giving them that song, that launched my career as a songwriter to be able to write for so many people. And, you know, people don't want to work with you if they feel like you're only going to keep the best songs for yourself. You know, people want to feel like, oh, I'm working with somebody who's going to give me a hit, you know? And I really, at that time, I didn't really know how to write for other artists. Like, you know, it was so competition driven. Everybody was in competition with each other. So, even though I knew I wanted to write for other artists, I didn't know how to make that happen at that time. So, once again, that guardian angel was just kind of working for me where the right people heard it to get them the song, for that opportunity to fall in my lap and I ran with it. It's like for me, you only have to crack the door open. You crack that door open, I'm I'm kicking it in at that point and I'm going to run with it. And so From there, I was just trying to stay in the studio writing for anybody who would let me write for them or collaborate with them. I didn't care. I was just like, okay, who can I write for next? And that was my whole, you know, vibe back then. And I loved writing for other people. I do love singing as well. When my group, we just did a reunion tour, what was that, two years ago? Oh, my gosh, it sold out across the country. In every place that we went. And it was so exciting to know that 20 years later, here we are able to sell out arenas. I, I couldn't even believe it, you know? But that feeling of being on stage every night was amazing too. So I can't say which one I like the best, to be honest with
3: you. Well, speaking of your music, tell me about "Used uh, to Love Me.
2: Oh, so that's my new single that I dropped. And I dropped it yesterday. And I was excited because today when I looked... It's number five on the dance chart on iTunes or whatever. I wanted to do something that was totally different than anything that I ever done before. You know, I think before as an artist, I always was kind of like stuck in a box because, you know, you start off as an R&B artist. People just look at you as an R&B artist. It's hard to break out of one genre of music once you start there. And so being on the show, The Masked Singer, you know, I decided I was going to do every genre, you know, when I was on the show. So I sang rock. I sang country. I sang a hip hop song. I did all the songs. And after it was done, I said, you know what? I want to do a project for myself where I'm not stuck in a box and I wanted to do something that everybody can dance to. And so I intentionally did a record that I felt like it could play anywhere in the world. And people, as soon as they hear that beat, they're just going to want to dance, you know. And I think that's something that brings the world together when you can dance. You know what I mean? When it's a, a song that just makes you feel good, it makes you want to move. And so that's why I chose to do that type of record. And I'm friends with Todrick Hall. And so I, I hit him up. I was like, hey, um, I want you to jump on this song with me. And he was more than excited to be a part of it. So that worked out. Speaking
3: of grooving and feeling good, I got to know more about bedroom candy. What is this? <laughs> and do I need to get some for my fiance?
2: Oh, you do for her and yourself. <laughs> okay. OK, let's let's get into it. Um uh, <laughs> Okay, so I used to do an online show called Candy Coated Nights, Mm -hmm. and it was all about sex and relationships, and I had like a really big following online for it. And so after doing it for a few years, I was just kind of like, okay, I got this following, so I should find something that goes along with this show. And obviously, we were talking very adults on the show. So a friend of mine was like, you should do adult toys. And I know that sound, back then it sounded crazy. Now I hear people all the time saying, I want to have my own sex toy line. But back then it was like only porn stars were doing it really, you know? (laughs) But I was like, you know what? I kind of like that idea because I felt like it's important, you know, as a woman, I feel like we need to know how to, how to take care of our own bodies, you know what I mean? And need to know our spots so we can tell our partner how to please us, you know? And so I always felt like it was important for a woman to have at least one good bedroom toy. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) And so, and I don't want people to feel like you have to be some type of porn star just to make that happen. Like anybody could like to please their bodies, you know what I mean? Or please themselves or just just, you know, want to feel good. So why you gotta make it seem like it's a dirty thing? It's not a dirty thing. It's just, you know, self-pleasure is great. You know, yeah. and then, you know, so now it went from just being like one product and then, you know, I have a, I, I have children or whatever. So I always felt like you need at least a product that even if your kid find it, you ain't got to be scared and ashamed. <laughs> so we started out with um one. It, it looks like a little lipstick. It like literally looks like a lipstick case or whatever. When you open it, obviously it's something else. Mm-hmm. And then I had another toy that vibrated to music which is awesome. <laughs> Wait, So does so it we sync- went from that. So now we have hundreds of toys and we've won awards for our adult products or whatever. And now we don't have just adult products. Now it's a whole lifestyle brand. I got, um, you know, bath, bed and bath products. I have everything. And we got consultants that actually sell it, you know, go and sell our products. So we have thousands of consultants, bedroom candy consultants across the country, and they sell all the products. And um, now I have a makeup line called Candy Coated Cosmetics. So they sell that as well. And it's so cool because since we've been in quarantine, I thought that it was going to hurt our business because, you know, you think, oh, if everybody's stuck in the house, you can't have in-home parties. But now they're doing online parties. And when I tell you, we had the biggest month ever when everybody went into quarantine. So I was like right now is the time everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to feel good. Everybody wants to have their own businesses. And um, that's a cool thing about Bedroom Candy, because we provide like amazing products. And then we also do like coaching and different things to help people build their their businesses. And so try to help everybody be successful that partners up with me, you know. Yeah, it's just gone to the next level. So an idea that started off as just something like, oh, yeah, well, what should I do? Turned out to now it's like eight years later and it's like a huge award winning brand. And then we also got kid products, too. I got <laughs> Raising Ace. I know it sounds crazy, but I, I, this is the way I look at it. OK, when you learn how to take care of yourself in the bedroom, sometimes you get a little gift that you will keep for lifelong. long. <laughs> And that's where Raising Ace comes in. (laughs) So, as a woman, I just want to, I just want to like, when I think of the things that I want to do business wise, I just feel like, okay, as a woman, what do I need? What do I use? You know? And so I just go with what appeals to, you know, me. Well, yeah,
3: necessity is the mother of invention. So it makes sense.
4: Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit bartesian.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand.
0: cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
3: Have you ever failed at anything? It seems like everything you touch turns to gold or platinum for that matter.
2: (laughs) That's funny. Um, People say that, but you know, it's, it's like... Clearly, you know, I have tried some things that didn't work out necessarily the way that I wanted to, you know? Yeah. Um, And when those times happen, I just don't, I refuse to let it get me down forever. I feel like you have to just jump back up and try it again and make it happen or even go to the next thing immediately. Like, don't waste time going into your woe is me moment. You have to just, like, get up figure it out and do it again because people never see the failures. They only see the successes, you know? And so if you get so caught up in your failure, it's like you, you'll defeat yourself. You just have to get up, do it again, figure it out. That's my motto. You're
3: a Taurus. I know you've <laughs> had to do that. I'm very similar in a lot of respects. I always attribute to delusion I'm very delusional about things. Like when things fail, it's I'm like, delusional. yeah, because when things fail, I'm like, well, that wasn't me. It just didn't work out. And like someone else is better for it, but I did a great job and it doesn't really matter. And I'm able to like <laughs> trick myself into be like, it's fine. We'll on to the next thing, <laughs> you know? it will be all right. Yeah, it's
2: right. I mean, all the times that, um, I know it was two times that I felt defeated. To me, typically, I feel like whenever something goes wrong with me, it's because I put it in the hands of somebody else. Mm-hmm. Meaning, <laughs> um, I, I decided to do a musical, a play. It really was inspired by, by my life and things that were happening at the time. I put it together in a month, two months. It was amazing. Killed it, wrote all the music, did everything. It was a musical. It, it, and when we promoted in Atlanta, did great. I sold out the whole weekend. It was awesome. But I wanted to take it on tour. I had never taken anything on tour before. So I didn't really trust myself or my team to go about and figure it out on our own because I was like, well, we should let another promoter or somebody else, you know, put it together, put it in the hands of somebody else. Let's just say it went downhill and it just was like, why? did I do that? You know what I mean? Because it's like you put your baby in the hands of somebody else to figure out. And they, let's just say they didn't figure it out. (laughs) Okay. So I was just very sad, very disappointed in how that happened. But like last year I have, I did, I put together another variety show it's called welcome to the dungeons, a burlay, uh, I mean, excuse me, a burlesque, like a very risque type show. We decided to put it on, take it on tour, and yeah, I found a uh, uh, somebody to help us set up the venues, but that was it. Everything else we did our own. We promoted it, we did all of that, We're selling out, killing it, did our thing, and then it just made me say, "Well, we should have did this a long time ago."
3: Yeah, <laughs> Kenny, it's been so inspirational to talk to you because. I mean you've done so much you've been so successful in so many different platforms but like to see kind of how you do it and kind of the mentality that you you need to have to be successful is like really really evident in just talking to you and and almost like a little like catchable you know like I feel after listening to this story that like I can do things that like maybe before I I didn't think I could so Thank you so much for taking the time and and chatting with us. I want to be respectful of your time, but before I let you go, can you do a quick uh, rapid fire question session? Okay. All right. Rapid fire questions with Candy Burris. Number one, do you have a nickname? And if so, what is it and how'd you get it? (laughs)
2: Uh, My friends call me KB. And obviously that's my initials, Candy (laughs) Burris. But to them, that's the cooler name. they be like, what up, KB? I'm like, what's (laughs) up? You know. Oh, and then some people call me Candy Ams.
3: KB, that's what we used to call good weed back in the day. Kind butt. <laughs> kind really?
2: Yeah. KB? Oh, yeah. wow. Who was your first kiss? Oh, my first. Oh, yeah. It was uh, the, a friend of mine, Adolfo. <laughs> we lived across the street from each other. We yeah. were little kids. We kissed, but then we dated again. We Well, we actually dated when we was in high school for a quick second or a little short period of time. But as little, little kids, um, I think we had kissed behind the bushes or something. It wasn't a real kiss. You mean my first real kiss? <laughs> sure. <laughs> my first real kiss was in middle school. and It was on the school bus with this guy named Kareem Mill. I just thought he was everything.
3: What was the first concert you ever went to?
2: First concert. Oh, salt and Pepper. Yeah, uh, Salt and Pepper, uh, and it was so cool because my first concert tour that I was ever on was with Salt and Pepper. No way, well. it's crazy, right? Yeah. Um, Well, when I was younger, and I think I can't remember which album they it was on, but they it was a lot of different artists on the tour, but they were my favorite artists at the time. So I remember them being on this concert that I went to when I was young, and then when our group first got our you know, first album out, we were on the salt and Pepper tour when they had Shoop and What a Man, that album. So it was so cool because they were so nice. And so, it, you know, my favorite girl group of all time for me to be on tour with them was amazing.
3: That's awesome. If you Last one, if you won an Oscar, who would be the first person you thanked in your speech?
2: My mom. She's always been my biggest supporter.
3: Candy Burris, thank you so much for taking the time. Congratulations on the mass singer but literally congratulations on everything your resume is ridiculous your story is inspirational if people want to find out more about you where should they go
2: um i would say you could go to my website candyonline.com com, k a n d i online.com but or just follow me on social media uh instagram and twitter it's just candy k a n d i you got
3: so. the you got just the first name yes isn't that good <laughs>
2: It used to honestly. I didn't have it at first. Somebody else had my name, and I DM'd them and was like, "Could you please give me my name?" <laughs>
3: <laughs> Last thing: Is there anything that I didn't ask you about or we didn't talk about that you want to promote?
2: Um, right now it's all about the music for me. So if everybody could stream and download—I mean, yeah, stream and download my new single, "Used to Love Me, I Would Love You for Life." <laughs>
3: <laughs> Candy, thank you so much again for being on the show. You rock!
2: Thanks for having me. See bye. ya.
3: Bye, bye. Wow. That story is crazy. Everything she touched turns to gold. No, strike that platinum. Not only is she super talented, like that's obvious. She can sing, she can act, she can dance, but also like the way her mind works, it's always like, how do I connect the dots to the next thing? Finds a need, fills it, makes money from the thing that she was like, well, we need that. Someone's going to make money off of it. Might as well be me. Her portfolio is so incredibly diverse, it is bonkers. I love talking to people like that because, like I said in the interview, I'm now like, I need to go sit down and write some ideas out and figure out how to put those into the world. Candy Burris, kicking ass and taking names since back in the day. All right, guys, that was an awesome episode of the Wells cast. It's stories like those that makes me happy to do this show. If you like the show, rate and review uh, App & Play stores, you know, that whole thing. Trying to raise the, uh, the rating. And also, if you like the show, tell your friends about it, because, you know, we all want to build the Wellscast audience even
4: bigger than it already is.
3: Okay, I'm out.
4: Subscribe to Wellscast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet.
3: I love that our thing is, it's the internet. Figure it out, idiot. <laughs> okay, bye. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History